I was worshiping with you and the words of that song, God's never failed us. There's no doubt about that. And his willingness to do again what he's done in the past, God hasn't changed. He's willing. It, it's up to us. How many of you heard of Billy Graham, huh? You ever heard of him? Kinda. 99 years of age, left this world to his reward with his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, preached the gospel, the good news about Jesus to more people in live audiences than any other person in the history, the 2,000-year history of the church. But as a teenager, if you still are willing to admit you're still in your teenage years, would you wave at me here? Hold your hand up. Teenagers, I'm not talking about mentally teenage, but actual biological date of birth teenage. As a teenager, he was a young believer, follower of Jesus Christ, and he attended a prayer meeting. Some of you possibly have read this, but uh, this song just really drove this home to me. And he prayed a prayer. He had heard about God doing amazing things in the past and how good and faithful God was and the revivals in our own country and what we call the Great Awakening, the Great Awakening in Europe, the Wesleys, uh, Charles Finney in our country, and some of the, you know, we read history, but the history books may reference Charles Finney, but they really don't tell the full story of how the revival that happened in America changed our, our country and, and how our heart was more open to the ideas of freedom and personal liberty and choice and, and responsibility for your choices. And it, and it changed our country in, in ways that made our own freedom as a nation possible. But he heard about some of these revivals and in a prayer meeting as a teenager, he is quoted to have prayed, God, do it again. Please. And I know sometimes we sell short what God can do because we get so locked into the limitations of this world. But I think the world is still waiting for the next teenager to pray that prayer. And he or she may be in this room today. Because there is something incredibly wrong with America right now. My heart's really heavy today, you guys. There's something really wrong. There's, there's a hopeless heart, spirit, a condition. Yesterday, I sent out a note in my weekly ABT weekend edition, and I, and I said, I sense something now that's kind of new to me in my life. I've never felt it quite like this before. And, and what that is is a prolonged period of hopelessness. Uh, th there have been times in my life, I mean, I, I'm a boomer and my generation had Vietnam and there was, there was a darkness that was connected in our country to our country's overall just attitude toward the war and our leaders and, and all of the young men who 
who bravely went and women who fought for their country. And it, it seemed, I mean, do you realize it's different now? You come back from Desert Storm, you, you're a hero. The, these young people are being spit on. People met them at the airport to spit on them. That, that's pretty dark, wouldn't you agree? Uh, but that seemed to last for a season. Uh, there was the civil rights movement that is very real to me. You know, you guys read about it in your history books. But uh, there was darkness to that, the injustices, the things that were being done. I mean, churches being blown up, people being lynched, awful things, a darkness, a terrible hopelessness. But progress was made and things moved on. I remember 9-11. Tell me the truth. How many of you remember 9-11 as easily as you remember what you had for breakfast? Would you raise your hand? How many of you, 9-11 is only in the history books? Be honest. You don't actually remember where you were that day and what you were doing. Okay. I, uh, I, I felt, I did feel the hopeless condition of a country. What can we do? We can't stop terrorists from coming into one of our most important cities and taking down, you know, this amazing, these two buildings, the Twin Towers. I'd been in the Twin Towers. I'd been to the top. I stood on the observation deck. And, and I, there was a, a darkness. But again, things kind of turned around, I remember, those of you who are baseball fans, you'll remember the 2001 World Series, the Fall Classic, the Diamondbacks from Arizona were playing the New York Yankees. Can you believe it? Of all the years for the Yankees to be in the World Series, and just for the record here, I hate the Yankees, okay? Just to let you know. Uh, just, just saying, if, you, you know, if you're into that, I, you know, I hope you'll get saved and change your mind, okay? <laughs> become a true Christian, but uh, I, uh, I remember how dark it was, and then something happened in that third game of the World Series. President Bush, you could see his jacket, he had a bulletproof vest. We didn't know, where's the next plane coming from? And uh, he went out to the mound. Uh, formerly a college baseball player, wound up through a perfect strike to the catcher. The crowd went berserk and crazy. The umpire said, play ball. And it, it almost seemed like you could feel this collective sigh of relief, like, huh, we're back to normal. And, and so I've seen a number of ups and downs and, you know, hopelessness has kind of come and gone and come and gone. But what I feel now is so different it is a prolonged spirit of hopelessness. Two political parties that can't agree that the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening. They can't agree on anything. There's, there's outright evil taking place. Injustices that, that nobody wants to address because people can't get along. They can't govern. I, I watch students, and I, I talk to students a lot. I, I just... I'm so grateful for the way I was able to grow up relatively free from, from this stuff. And I think of the weight they carry in going to school. 
I actually, I talked to a kid just, just recently who literally confessed finally when I go to school in the morning, I contemplate what, what it will be like if a shooter, an active shooter, comes into my school. And, and I, I think, man, I didn't have to think about that when I was in school. And, and so there is, there's so many things. We could spend the rest of the day, suicide. I, I think suicide probably spells out for me more than anything else. It, it's kind of the statistic that sets the tone for what people are feeling. And, and the, the statistics are, are just staggering. I was born in Youngstown, Ohio, not far from here. Do you know there's as many people who live in Youngstown who kill themselves every year in an entire town, wiped out? Do, do, you, do you realize on top of that 45, 50,000 people who take their life, there, there's another 300,000 who tried and failed? These numbers are just staggering. And, and it all, I believe, traces back to this root issue of hopelessness. Now, please hear me when I say this. I'm gonna talk about this all month, but this is not gonna be a downer. We're gonna deal with things, we're gonna be honest. You, know, you really can't address something unless you get truthful and honest with it. And sometimes it takes a broken heart to feel and know what's broke because you know if things are okay in your life right now and you're doing pretty well, things are going well for you, it's easy to kind of push it back and not feel the full weight of a kid who's going to school getting bullied. It's, it's kind of easy to not feel the full weight of some of these things that are going on because things are actually pretty good for you. But overall, there, there is a condition, a hopeless condition that exists in our country. And, and I, I am here to tell you today that hope lives. Hope lives in the person of Jesus Christ. Hope is alive. And our world desperately needs for us to step up to the plate and represent what hope looks like. As I think about the violence and the wars, I, I think about the fact that we've been here before. In our world, the Bible describes a period of time when God looked down at the earth, and, and here's what the scripture says, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. That's what God saw when he looked at the world prior to the flood. The world was corrupt. The Bible says it was only in the heart of men and women to do evil continually. And, and it, it's like when the world is so bent toward that and there are, there's so little light, there's so little hope, there's this downward spiral, but God has a solution for that, and, and, and that solution is really what we're going to talk about today. The solution, God told Noah to go build a boat. Now, the boat is, for us, going to be more than a, a physical boat, an ark uh, that Noah built that was a tangible boat that, that, that protected him from a literal flood and rain that fell from the sky and and I do believe in a universal flood. When the, when the highest mountain peaks in the world today have, have fossils of marine life, it's a pretty good indicator. 
You gotta be ignoring reality not to admit this world was flooded. And, and as a result, the world drastically changed. The canopy, everything we read about pre-flood changed and, and the world, the present day world that we live in now came about as the waters receded. But when I look at that, the same God made the statement that in the end times, toward the end of time, is God's calendar. God has a calendar. And there's this, this time clock ticking off. And, and he said, it's going to be just like it was when Noah was around. That's what it's going to look like before Jesus returns again. And if you believe Jesus came one time, if you're here today as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ and you believe Jesus died for you and you believe he came his first advent, we, we celebrate his birth at, at Christmas and we celebrate his resurrection at Easter. In fact, every Sunday we celebrate he is alive, hope lives. But if you believe he came once, you, you better not forget that he promised the same Jesus the last thing he said. Hey, I'm coming again. The last thing the angel said is, hey, the same Jesus is coming again in like manner. You watched him float up into the sky, he's gonna come back. And the next time he's not coming as a little baby. He's not coming as a lamb that will be slain. He's coming as a roaring lion to judge this world. And, and, and scripture says you don't know the exact day and time and hour, but it's gonna look an awful lot like it did in Noah's time. And so here we are, I, I kind of find myself thinking, wow, we're getting close. I, I'm not a doomsday, end times prepper. I have nothing wrong with putting a few things away and things get bad, yay, that's, that's a wonderful thing, preparing for the future, but I'm not, when I read the Bible, it says those who know Christ and are born again, you leave this world behind for that time of judgment. We get delivered. That's called the rapture. And, and, and so would you hear my heart when I tell you that if we're measuring, and this is the introduction to this series, and if you get this in your heart here today, and you walk out of here with just a couple of ideas that help prepare you for this, you, you can realize what an awesome privilege it is. I mean, I've often thought, wouldn't it have been cool to have been alive when Jesus was on planet Earth? Pretty cool, huh? But what about being alive when he comes again? <laughs> we may be that generation. So let's get started with this new series. I'm going to give you just three things really quickly today in the way of introduction to help prep us for what's coming, to help us understand the hopelessness of the world, and to help prepare us to be the light during this dark time. First thing you gotta understand, everybody gets wet. No one escapes the rain. Now today we're talking metaphorically, the rain represents bad things. The good news is, God said I destroyed the earth once with a flood, I'm not gonna do it like that again. The world will not have another literal universal flood. And that's pretty cool. He gave us the rainbow to remind us as a reminder. People, a lot of people don't even know that. You read scripture, God says, hey, look at that rainbow. That's, that's a reminder that I'm not gonna destroy the world again with universal flood. When things get bad, there'll be other things I do, but God has a plan. And his plan is there's a solution. And the solution is his followers are supposed to build a place of safety, an ark to protect them and their families. In some ways, local church 
is an extension of, of what we build and what God's called us to do to help people, to address the issue of hopelessness. But the reason I want to talk to you today is that I find hope in this hopeless world in the realization that bad things are going to happen to all of us. We all have this in common. The, 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 the hurtful things, the difficult things, we're all living in the same world. The rain, it comes. In fact, Scripture, let me give you the, the first verse that's in your notes. For he gives us sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now, some of you, this will help you understand, because sometimes you get so frustrated with bad people who seem to get have good things happen to them, and you want bad things to happen to them, because for a moment you think you're God. <laughs> yeah, man, they, if I were God for a minute, if you were God for one second, this world wouldn't be safe. God knows what's best. And so everyone's experienced loss. Everyone has rain. No one escapes. No one escapes the pain. Uh, those of us who are followers of Christ, we've got to understand that. Because if we don't, we'll whine and complain like everybody else. L listen, it can get bad. We can get depressed like anybody else. Believers are not immune to getting low or discouraged. In fact, good people can get downright depressed. Listen, listen to what Job said. So when I say it rains on everyone, I'm being honest and saying there are low moments for those of us who have hope. Here's what Job said. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. These men say that night is day. They claim that the darkness is light. So Job is saying, it's pretty bad right now, but on top of it, I've got some friends who have come, and they aren't helping me at all. They're not telling me the truth. They're calling night bright as day. Honestly, that's what I feel like with some of the pop psychology today. I, I, I listen to some of the stuff people say. I listen to their recommendations, and it's almost like Job's friends. Their darkness is light, and light is dark. They just a bunch of gobbledygook pop psychology when the truth is man is afflicted with a condition it's called sin and that sin can only be forgiven in the person of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. There's nothing else that can save us from our sin. And so Job, a good man, is admitting he's hopeless for this moment but again, the good news, he doesn't stay there. He does not remain hopeless. And so here's a lesson. I'm going to give you three lessons today. We don't escape the world. You don't get out of the rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain on everyone. We find hope in Jesus. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so let's look at how Jesus addressed this issue of the problems we're all going to face. It's universal. Everybody, good people, bad people, all will experience the rain. John 16, says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world. He left for us hope that in him we too can overcome the world. That's what gives us hope. That's the first thought today. It's going to rain on everyone, but there's hope in Christ. That's the first lesson I want you to understand about this hopeless environment we live in right now. Number two, when you face hopelessness, everyone has a choice to make. 
So here's where I really want to say something hard, and I want to say it in a spirit of love. Spiritual blindness, people who choose evil, in a way are navigating this world just like they had a blindfold on. They, they keep pursuing things aimlessly without purpose. The Bible even goes so far as to say, when you are born again, your eyes are open. And so people who live twisted, evil lives have chosen to follow a path that leads them further away from God. And the farther you get away from God, the more hopeless you become. So scripture spells this out in one of the wisdom books. We all know Proverbs is this great wisdom book. But Ecclesiastes gives us an insight into people who make the wrong choice. Ecclesiastes 9, second part of verse 3. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have, what's that phrase? No what? They have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. This is a fantastic, accurate snapshot of people who don't know Jesus. They have nothing to hope for. I mean, if you've been told your whole life there is no God, and when you die, you turn back to dirt, and worms eat you, and that's it. If you've bought into that, I can understand how you get from here to that destination of being hopeless. No hope, nothing ahead. It's a matter of bad choices. One bad choice after another bad choice after another bad choice. Ultimately, you're blind and you're mad without any hope. And, and that's what we're seeing an awful lot in the shooters in the school. There's a, there's a hopelessness, but there's an anger. There's a madness. There's an anger to it all. So our next lesson, really important. It's in your notes. I want you to see this. We either live in hopelessness or we choose to build a boat. It comes back to that we choose to build into our life things that protect us. Do you know coming to church and worshiping with other people is one of the ways you build a boat that you get into? Coming to worship, you know, it's not something that God said, you know, every now and then when you need a little Jesus fix, Come to church, sing a little worship, feel that warm feeling that's kind of cool, and, and then go back and do whatever you want the next week or month, and come back, and when you start feeling a little bit bad, come back and get it right. Building a boat it involves so many things. I think you build a boat when you build a strong family. You build strong relationships, friendships. When you make yourself accountable in a small group, that's one of the ways you build a boat. You choose to build things into your life. Getting up in the morning, having a quiet time. If those of you, if you're kind of on the same pace I am, reading through the Bible in a year, you get up in the morning and you, you know, you're just finishing up the book of Numbers and you know, there's times when you read through the Bible and you're reading some of that stuff and go, ah, you know, I'm not sure I really get all that Old Testament stuff. But there'll be things in there that will just jump out at you. And all day long that day, you will have God's hope in your heart. And, and it is our great privilege to begin every day in prayer and to talk to him. That's what it means to build a boat. Because rain's coming, everybody gets wet. But we got a choice to make. Do we want to go out there and face it on our own? Or do we want to be like those people who heard about 
the ark. They saw Noah building the ark. They were invited into the ark, and they did not respond to that invitation until it was too late, and the doors were closed, and the floodwaters were rising. Is that how most of us treat God? We, we wait for something bad to happen, then we get a little bit serious about this? This is an amazingly important lesson. It comes down to this issue of choice. It's all about choosing. Yes, some people get dealt a hand where they have a lot more to overcome, but it always comes back to choosing, choosing not to be a victim, choosing to move forward by faith and find hope in Christ in your relationship with him. I'm glad God is patient. I thought I'd throw this verse in here. 1 Peter 3, 20, second part of the verse. God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Not a lot of people took advantage of the boat he built. Actually, no one outside of his family. But God waited patiently and gave everyone a chance. And God is waiting patiently for us today to choose him, to choose hope. We have a choice we have an opportunity to choose to follow him. It's always about choosing. It's always been this way. Uh, Moses spelled it out in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. He says, today, speaking to the children of Israel, recorded for us, it's true to us as well. I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Let me throw this in here, dads. Moms, the choices you make affect your descendants, people who follow you. Our, our choices, both good and bad, have an impact on future generations. So when you start making choices about your marriage, you start making choices about whether or not church is going to be a high priority because you want to build an ark for your family to be safe in, or it's going to be a matter of convenience and it just depends on what else is coming on on Sunday morning, and, and you choose poorly? You, you choose a shortcut? When you choose self over others, and, and you choose maybe not the, a terrible evil thing, but you don't choose the best, you're missing a chance to build an ark and a boat to protect your family. So that's our second lesson. We all make choices. Third one, let's wrap it with this. Third thing in this introduction I want you to understand is everyone has doubts, but hope can be renewed, okay? Everybody here is going to doubt this at times. Our faith, our faith needs to be renewed and it needs to be charged back up because we're human. We just are. We doubt. People who don't doubt are not being honest. One of the great passages from David, King David a man, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He admitted something to us in this Psalm, chapter 94. He says, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now, this is one of the most encouraging verses. I mean, we're, we're not just going to go gloom and despair all the month of March. No matter what you faced, no matter how discouraged you may be, you may as, be as low as Job was when he said all hope is lost, but here's some good news. God wants to renew your hope. He wants to give you encouragement. And there, there, are, there are plenty of 
realities to deal with that will take away our hope. But our hope can be renewed. It's like a, a, fr- a glass of water that you refill. And, and, and really, there's no better way than to refill the glass of hope than getting into the Word of God on a daily basis. Yes, preaching is good. I'm glad you're here today. But on a daily basis to have a moment where you ask God to fill your cup because you need more than a drink. You, more than a, you need more than a once a week drink. There's also the, this really important reality here that there's so many hopeless people in the world. I, I think one of the greatest needs in the world we live in today is for people to take hope and to, to have a contagious hope that when other people are around you, they find that hope is contagious. I don't know if you've ever done the math on this before. This is simple deductive reasoning. But if we live hopeless, defeated lives, how in the world are we going to transfer hope to anybody else? We actually drag other people down with us. And we all know people, Debbie Downer, you know. You get around Debbie and wow, it just sucks you into that orbit of depression and down. There, there, there's plenty. You know, Donnie Downer is no different either. Guys that just, you, you get around them. Well, they need the light. They need our hope. But we need to be the one that is contagious to them in our hope, not them pulling us down. And so there's another lesson here. This is the last lesson I have for today. We who have hope get to tell the hopeless the good news. And, and you got to wor- use words sometimes, but for the most part, you want to give hope by the way you live How can you tell someone that God is real and God is alive because Jesus lives and hope lives if everything about you, your countenance, everything about you, you're living a hopeless life. Let me give you one more verse. This is our mission, you guys. This is such a cool verse. Uh, I'd like you to read this together with me. Would you do that? Everybody join me. It's our last verse together. Join me. Let's read it out loud. In fact, tell you what, let's stand up together before we read this. Would you do that? Stand with me. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, second part of the verse. Join me. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. that's, That's that contagious hope I was talking about. I I have measured, and from my perspective, this is the world, the culture, everything I feel and sense. We we live in a time where people desperately need hope, and God has a plan for us to maintain our hope. It can be renewed. When you get down, don't worry. You don't have to stay there. When you come to church, man, my, my mission here is not to take you down and leave you down. I want you to realize that God the Holy Spirit is here today to pick us up. And that's very cool. No matter where you are, what's happened, or how bad you've messed up, whatever you've done can be forgiven. There is hope in a renewed relationship with Christ. And it all comes down to that. It's really that simple. It's not about religion. It's about your relationship with him. I, I hope... And pray today. I've prayed for this service. I've prayed for you. A group of people met earlier this morning, had a prayer meeting, praying for you, thinking of you. We hope you'll choose hope. We hope 
In the midst of all this crazy in the world we live in, you'll choose to find hope in a relationship with Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts today. I pray if there's anybody here who doesn't know for sure if they were to die, that they would go to heaven. If there's anybody here who doesn't know that they have a relationship with you, that they've been born again, help this day to be the day that they whisper a prayer and cry out and ask you, Jesus, to come into their life. Lord, I, I pray they won't leave here until they've done that. Even right now, while heads are bowed, I pray in their own words, they just cry out and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Please save me today. And then, Lord, give them the courage to tell others and find that this hope is not a bunch of gobbledygook pop psychology that God, you, the creator of this universe, love us so much you want to live in our hearts. Help us to find hope in that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.